listening to First Church Charlotte. All right, so we are going to talk together for a little while uh, on a theme that I think is perfect for Father's Day, of course, but it's also applicable for all of us wherever we are in our lives. And if uh, you aren't at a stage of your life where it applies to you, trust me, if you'll wait a minute, you'll find that it, it applies to you. My title today is simply this, Overloaded. Smile at your neighbor, say, oh my, that's for me. Overloaded. Oh my, that's for me. So I'm going to endeavor to teach the word of the Lord for a little while here today. Uh, Glad to have the Mills family here in town. Brother Billy is uh, dear to all of our hearts and has gone away. This really pretty woman lured him away. And I prayed the Lord would make her ugly and it wouldn't work, but... ugly a few times, but that was, dude, you are in so much trouble. (laughs) Love y'all. And of course his boys, he has awesome boys, awesome boys. But just as it is in my family, the best of all of them is the elder Mills, brother and sister Mills. They're the best of all of them. Just like my mom and dad are the best of us. Look, secret, the only way us kids are going to heaven is because my mom and dad have so many frequent flyer miles. <laughs> Me and my brother and my sister would be like there, Peter, Peter, yo, Pete. He's like, no, check the frequent flyers account. I've got a free ticket. You know, that's how you're going to heaven, Billy. And all them boys, that's the only way they're going to make it. Love all you guys. Uh, I want to get right into it. We're talking about overloaded, and uh, I think that uh, we might receive some guidance from the Word of the Lord. Um, I want to, I want, when I'm done uh, today, I hope you have something that you take into your life. There's always this, there's always this temptation as a, a preacher, especially an apostolic preacher, where we think that most things can be solved by feeling something. And if we can get you in the house of God and you feel, 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 then you're fixed. But uh, as a pastor, I, I, I know too well that feeling ain't fixed. <laughs> feeling is filling. And so um, I want you to feel it's important that we worship the Lord with all of our heart. Can I have an amen? But I want you to take some things into your life, some things into your life. And uh, if you're visiting, with us today, and um, I hope that I say some things to convict you, but one thing I want you to know is that um, as a church, if we make you feel uh, uh, guilt before we make you feel hope, then uh, it doesn't matter if we love you. <laughs> you, know, you see what I'm saying? Uh, we want I want all of you, I don't want you just to take some sense of the preacher said, I can't do this, or I should do this, or I'm making a mess out of this. I want you to take this away from this day. God has a gift for you. God has a plan for you. God has a walk for you. And he loves you so much. He sacrificed himself that he might have an intimate, close relationship with you. That's 
that's what the word needs to produce in our lives. Amen. All right, let's get started. I am going to read one verse of scripture from the book of Isaiah. Uh, Let's stand together. We will read Isaiah chapter number 10. Uh, We will read at verse number 27. This is a interesting verse where the prophet speaking for the Lord uh, says concerning the oppressor in the life of the children of Israel. At this particular time, symbolically, that oppressor is the Assyrian. In times earlier, that oppressor had been the Egyptian. In this moment in the life of the house of Israel, that oppressor is the Assyrian. And so the prophet, speaking for the Lord, is speaking uh, about the oppressor, the Assyrian, in the life of his people. So let's read it, verse number, verse number 27. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden, when he say his burden, they're talking about the oppressor's burden. They're not talking about God's burden. They're talking about the oppressor, the Assyrian oppressor's burden. It shall come to pass in that day that the burden of the oppressor will be taken from your shoulder and the yoke of the oppressor from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. destroyed because of the anointing oil. I need anointing in my life. Do you feel that way? Somebody say in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So, uh, we, all of us get busy. Yes. And we, all of us get distracted. Yes. And we, all of us get tired. Well, the people on this side of the church don't get tired, but everybody on this side of the church, uh, y'all get tired and we have to organize our lives. We have to make sense of all the stuff that is, that is coming at us. And we have to rationalize, organize, uh, the burdens in our life. Burdens are part of life. I, I, I hope no preacher has ever given you the idea that if you were in God's will, then you wouldn't have any burdens in your life. They have done you an injustice. Uh, Jesus didn't say, hey, can you walk this life of perfection and blessing like I do? No. He said, can you take up a cross like I do? And so there is this reality in our lives, and I, I don't want to start by discouraging you or depressing you, although it uh, seems like I'm doing a good job of it at the moment. <laughs> uh, I want you to accept the fact that your burdens are real and they are a part of life, and there is no life of any meaning where you do not have obligations, you do not have duties, you do not have burdens. Uh, you, in many ways, were created to carry burdens in your life. You were created because, and this is important for all of us to realize, um, our duty is wrapped up in our burdens and our uh, many cases, our joy is wrapped up in our burdens, and no one's excited about this yet, but just stick with me, and maybe I'll, I'll get you really discouraged here in a little while. Um, if you haven't these things in your life, then you will have no sense of meaning in your life. Your, your burdens are, in many cases, interwoven with meaning in your life, and so the idea that I can, you know, give you a winning lottery ticket and send you to a beach and to heal 
Tahiti and they're sitting on your uh, beach uh, drinking your little drink with an umbrella in it, you know. Uh, stay calm, sister. Uh, drinking your little drink with an, with an umbrella in it, you know. You, you enjoy that for a little while. And, um, of course, it's appropriately non-alcoholic, as we know this side of the church always adheres to. And so, you know, this side of the church, eh, you never know. But um, so here you are. You're sitting back. You're drinking your cold drink on the beach. And uh, everything's great. Everything's wonderful. And you will enjoy that. Yes, you will. Uh, in fact, I hope you get to do it this year. I hope you organize your life in a sense. You save some money. You set aside some time. You rest. You recover. That's all good. Yes? It's good. I hope you do that. But the idea that there is some life that you're going to live where uh, you don't have troubles, you don't have sorrows, you don't have duties, you don't have obligations, that is a, a lie that is sold by travel agents and vacations companies and cruise operations. Now, I want you to have this idea that the idealized life is where everything is kind of without pain, without suffering, without agony, and that's just not how the world works. Even the wise man who seemingly had everything because he was king of a, a nation that he himself had built to great prosperity, uh, he, he says things like it's good to toil and it's, it's good to work and there's a time to work and there's a time to rest. All of these things which you know and are appropriate appropriate uh, to your life, uh, I, I want you, I want to start by being honest and this is the reality. There is no life without work of some type. There is no life without duty of some type. That is not the problem and there is no place of blessing in your life. There is no place of the quote-unquote perfect will of God where you don't have trouble or you don't have misunderstandings. The greatest, one of the greatest errors of the immature Christian is to believe that because of trouble they thusly are known and proven they are out of the will of God because of trouble. No, oftentimes the will of God puts you in trouble. Uh, no one's running the aisles yet. That's okay. I, I still have this obligation to tell you the truth. It's the word of God that throws you in the frying pan sometimes. You may be doing great in Pharaoh's household. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. We can do better in the wilderness. There's some things you will only learn in suffering. I'm not just trying to be philosophical. I, I'm trying to speak to you the truth. There, there's some things you will only learn in suffering. And sometimes when we protect people from suffering, uh, we do them harm. And oftentimes in the Word of God, we pray. You see this, this promises of the Lord would deliver and the Lord. And then we take this and we say, we, we apply it selectively. Not as the Word of the Lord applies it, where it's the will of the Lord for deliverance. But we, we take that story in the Scripture, that context, and then we apply it to whatever we want to apply it to. And we say, oh, it's not the will of God for me to be going through this. Uh, maybe. The right answer is always maybe. Um, but in the meantime, can you walk and serve and pray and live in the middle of your circumstances. You see, God's more interested in changing you than he is his circumstances. So let me say it this way. You are not your circumstances. If you begin to believe that you are your circumstances, you will immediately be forced to decide you have no authority with God, you have no place of blessing, you have no future, all you have is a painful past because you've decided you are your circumstances. I want to tell you today, you are not your circumstances. 
You need to throw that off because that means if you are your circumstances, then your existence is pain and your reality is suffering and your existence is defeat and your reality is failure. And so I'm here to tell you, God separates you from your circumstances. He looks at your circumstances and he looks at you. You may be a a million dollar prize in the middle of a five dollar trouble. What am I talking about? Sometimes it's good for us to come through with a good attitude, with a sweet spirit, and say within your heart, I trust his way. I'm not saying I understand his way, but I'm saying I trust his way. If you're waiting for your life to make sense, you might be waiting a long time. This is what makes sense. I trust God to lead me according to his will and his plan, and come what may. There is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. You are not your circumstances. You are separate from your your circumstances. And so we have all of these burdens in our life. And a lot of times, you know, we, 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 we say one to another little encouraging things like, here's the one you've probably heard the most commonly. I've certainly said it enough in my life, and I'm planning on saying it a couple times next week. Uh, the Bible says the Lord will not put on you more than you can bear, right? We all love that one. Woo, hallelujah, preach it. The Lord will not put on you more than you can bear. And then if you've been around church a little while, what you do is you kind of turn your head down a little bit like you have a word. <laughs> I have a word. The Lord will not put more on you than you can bear. <laughs> but you might put more on you than you can bear. And then you're like, can I get a witness up in here? And it's true. We know it. We put burdens upon ourselves that have nothing to do with God's gifts in our life. They have nothing to do with God's callings in our life. They have nothing to do with anything that matters, but we're sitting up all hours of the night. We're too distracted to pray. We're too distracted to do the things that really matter. And we wonder why we lose momentum in the arenas of our life that actually have spiritual importance because of all this stuff. You know this. You've heard it preached. You could preach it yourself. Just give that woman a microphone. I don't know if you've noticed, but around here we have lots of women who want the microphone. They'll just steal it at any time for any reason. I don't even get listened to on Father's Day. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. So, um, uh, we can put more. You know, a lot of times the burdens in our life are the result of our own decisions, the result of our own errors, our own, shall I dare say it, our own arrogance. Our own lack. You know, there's a story. I I, I love this story. I accidentally stumbled stumbled across a true story. There's a quite famous, quite famous, well, let me restate that. There's a man who could have been quite famous um, as an early explorer of the New World, this whole uh, North and South America, the whole New World uh, back in the early early days of exploration. Uh, And he he wanted to be an explorer. He got funded. He was, he was, he raised uh, the, the funds, he, he got the, the, the ship, he got the crew, and uh, he went to explore the Arctic region of Canada. And while he was there, uh, one of the things he was looking for besides adventure and, you know, infamy and the like, one of the things he was looking for was gold. So he went up to the Arctic of Canada and he found gold. He was so excited about this gold. And his, he, he went to his men, we found gold. They loaded up 1,500 tons of this gold, uh, which was overloading the small 
a ship that they were on. Nowadays, we would think of it as a boat, uh, but back then, they thought of it as a ship. And uh, they, they laid 1,500 pounds of this gold they had found in the, 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 the Canadian Arctic, and they go back across the stormy North Atlantic. They uh, sail up the Thames River. They load up the wagons with this ore, and they go to the Royal Mint, and they walk in there, and, you know, he's thinking he is the man. He has found it. He put this expedition together. He got funded. He got he got the men, the ship. He found the gold, and now we have made it big time. We are in this place, and we've come to have a party. And the uh, chief assayer of the king got out the first piece of ore, and, you know, and the examining process went through. And after a while, this man, who's, um, his name, this explorer's name was Martin Frobisher, um, uh, he, he found out he had not discovered gold. He had brought back 1,500 tons of fool's gold. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> but anyway, enough about my 20s. <laughs> That was funny, and y'all didn't appreciate my humor. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, so uh, this Frobisher, he, he had brought back 1,500 pounds, nearly died on the way back, overloaded his ship. So not to be deterred, not to be thwarted, he gathered up his crew again, got funded again, and went back to the Canadian Arctic, found gold for the second time. This time he didn't load up quite 1,500 tons of it because it nearly sunk him and killed everybody on the way back. He only loaded up 1,300 tons of it, came back, sailed across the stormy North Atlantic, sailed up the River Thames, uh, loaded up the wagons, uh, went to the Royal Mint, got the chief assayer of the king there, pulled out the ore, and for the second time in his life he had brought home uh, 1,300 tons of uh, fool's gold. Yeah. You know, sometimes we are our own problem. All he really had to do was humble himself and go to mining school. I mean, was that too much to ask? All he had to do was say, I really don't know what I'm doing. All the trouble we could save ourselves if we just would admit when we don't know what we're doing. Can I have an amen from all the men? <laughs> Stop and ask for directions already. Um, we can create our own problems, our own pains, and then we wonder why we're frazzled, and we wondered why we're exhausted, and we wondered why we're distracted, and, and how do we make sense of our lives and our duties and our obligations when we look at our life and it is overloaded, and it doesn't make sense anymore, and we're testing ourselves and testing our lives and testing our carrying ability this very much is real. I want to read a passage of scripture. This is from the book of Exodus. I'm going to read chapter 6, verse number 6. Uh, and this is the story uh, of the Lord bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. And this one scripture in it I love. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens. Somebody say burdens. Under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you, oh hallelujah, with an outstretched arm and with great joy judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Yes, we celebrate as believers this truth. God can set us free of the burdens, the shackles, the bondages of this world. The greatest burden any of us will ever be delivered from is the burden of sin. Can I have an amen? Sin is a burden upon us, the guilt and the shame. It is a burden upon us and it must be removed. If your past is more of a taskmaster 
to you, if it is haunting you, if it is destroying you, if guilt has somehow created, uh, as it were, damages in your life where there's, there's, there's things you just can't get past, I want to tell you today, the best thing you can do is believe that Almighty God was holy when you weren't holy, and He was right when you weren't right, and He was righteous when you weren't righteous, and He was willing to wash all your sins away by the action of his own choice. He chose you. And so the writer said it like this, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So sin as a burden has been removed. And so let's believe as true believers here today that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Sin should lose its power over you. If sin is not losing its power over you, you're not doing something right. You need to re approach the altar in your life and say, God, I need you giving me your strength because I already know what I can do in my strength. I need your strength. Sin should no longer be a bondage to people of faith. We shall be free indeed. People can be a burden to us. Sometimes, first of all, we are, we create our own problems. First, I mentioned that first of all. We, we, we create our own messes, and sometimes it, it takes time to clean that up. Uh, secondly, uh, the greatest burdens in our life are not even lifted by us. They're lifted by Almighty God. Secondly, people in our lives can be burdens. Now, uh, this is a touchy subject and difficult because uh, the truth is, as Christians, we are taught to bear one another's burdens. Going to have a big amen. We are taught to bear one another's burdens. But what does that mean? Um, You see, I cannot make good decisions for you. Oh, for some people in my life, I have wished that I could make good decisions for them. But I can't make good decisions for you, and you can't make good decisions for me. You see what I'm saying? How can I bear your burdens when I have no control? I want you to understand how the church helps, what the church can do and what the church cannot do. You see, there are innate limitations on how the church can help you and how the church can't help you. The church cannot make good decisions for you. It won't matter if you run the aisles three times today. If you go do something stupid this week, you're going to have to deal with it. Now, unless you want to try to ask if Brother brother Bishop can come to your house and, and maybe hang out and give you that look when you're not doing right, you know. And you're like, ooh, I'm straight. Maybe that would work, but he's expensive. His time's worth something. And if you got the money, he's got the time. But if you ain't got the money, honey, you know, he's got other things to do. You see what I'm saying? Maybe if you could bring somebody into your life to, to, to force you to make good decisions, maybe then your burdens would get better. But here's the reality. I can't make good decisions for you. Brother Helms can't make good decisions for you. I cannot control what you carry because I can't make your decisions. But what I can do And this is what the church can do. I can't make decisions for you, but I can choose to believe in you. I can choose to believe in you. I can choose to believe that even though you've got this over here and that over there, and it's kind of trouble over here and storm over here, I believe you're going to make it through. I believe God is able to deliver you from many, many troubles and present you faultless before the throne of his glory with exceeding joy. I believe. I believe in God and I believe in you. Do you see? 
How do I carry your burdens when I can't make any decisions for you? I can't really carry your burdens. I can only carry you. So when I'm praying, I pray for you. And when I'm speaking faith, I speak faith for you. Do you see what I'm saying? Can you still go burn your house down? Absolutely happens on every day of the week, seems like. Can you still go make a hot mess? Absolutely, twice on Sunday. You can do it, but in the meantime, I am as a brother to you, speaking faith to you, speaking life to you. I want to say something to everybody here today. No matter what happened last week, this church still believes in you. Whether you've done good or you've done bad, here's an altar. Make it right with God. We choose to believe in you. I can't make you make good decisions, but I can choose to believe in you. And so today, I tell you, I believe in you. God believes in you. Of course, of course the world wants to destroy you. Of course your flesh is always leading you astray. But God paid it all, and the church believes in you. That's how I carry burdens. I can't make your decisions, but I can believe in you. And so every day when I pray, I say, God, who should I be praying for right now? Who should be in my heart right now? And I pray for them. And sometimes I'll send you a message, prayed for you today, thinking about you this morning. You know what I'm doing? I'm on the sideline saying, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You've got what it takes to win. And I know that you're... Someone ought to ask me for an autograph. (laughs) Holy moly, I'm up here working like it's 1999. That's how we carry your burdens. If you go out and run up your credit card, honey, I can't pay that sucker off. But I believe if you'll organize yourself and you'll get some discipline and you'll go to financial peace class and let and, uh, uh, <laughs> got quiet. Let brother Jonathan sort you out and then do what he says. I believe you can make it. I believe you can pay that mess off. I believe you can get yourself under control. I choose to believe in you. And so the world says it can help us, but there are several passages of Scripture. Uh, I, I preached a message a few years back on the title. Uh, you guys won't remember this. I don't remember my own preaching, so I don't hold it against you for not remembering my preaching, but I preached a message called uh, The Gods That Men Carry and the God That Carries Men. And I used this Scripture, Isaiah 46, where Bell and another another false god is mentioned. Uh, Isaiah 46, 1 and 2. I'm going to read it from the message translation uh, because it puts it in modern vernacular. Uh, the god Bell falls down. God Nebo slumps. The no-god hunks of wood are loaded on mules and have to be hauled off, wearing out the poor mules. That's verse number one. Here's verse number two. Dead weight. Burdens who can't bear burdens. So many things in our life that take our time are dead weight to us. We treat them, we almost worship them like gods, but they don't bear any burdens for us. It's one way, and so the solutions of the world are... are Uh, oftentimes more burdensome than burden-bearing. And so the church, we have 
we have as a church, we have uh, two responses to burdens. Number one is we bear one another's burdens by bearing one another. So fulfilling the law of Christ. And yet, the Bible says every man should bear his own burden. So let me read verse number two, Galatians 6. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of God. Let me continue. Verse number five. For every man shall bear his own burden. Do you see? The church can't do for you what you will not do for you. Verse number nine or seven. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And after having laid that very heavy thought upon the readers, the apostle continues, Let us not be weary in (laughs) well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. God can deliver us from our burdens, but these are the burdens appropriate to deliverance. Uh, The church can help carry us while we carry our burdens, uh, but it cannot choose for us our burdens. How do we, how do we as individuals decide what we really ought to lay aside and how do we decide what we hold on to? There is a there's a little uh, illustration, I think, uh, the best way to call it. This, uh, if you know much about the American West, uh, there was this great migration of people from the populated East Coast to the empty West Coast, uh, mostly empty West Coast. Uh, the reason why is because the government was given free land, 40 acres, and you could just go show up and have land. Back then, land was wealth. It was the first universal income. All you had to do was work it. If you would work it, the government would give you title to it. Uh, if you won't work, if you wouldn't work it, well, no sense having it, right? And so that was the first universal basic income, the transfer of wealth in American history. We were rich as a nation. We had so much land that was capital back then, and so we gave it away. And people loaded up their belongings, and they traveled west in uh, Conestoga wagons. I think I think I'm pronouncing that right. And these were unique. They were unlike European wagons because in Europe they had roads. This was a this was the first ATV, all-terrain vehicle. Uh, it was designed to literally just go through the wilderness. And it was built very, very sturdy. Wheels much wider than European wagons, uh, so it wouldn't sink in mud. Uh, axles more heavy-duty uh, than the European wagons. And interestingly, it floated. Uh, it was built almost like a boat in places where it would float. And uh, if uh, the oxen were pulling it across the river, they could swim the Conestogas across the river, which is really fascinating. But this is all a part of American heritage. And uh, there was these trails, the most famous being the Santa Fe Trail, where you, you, you left, you launched, or you embarked from some uh, railhead like, say, Kansas City or, 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 or to a lesser degree uh, earlier in history, maybe Chicago or one of these great Midwestern cities, you would take boat passage there, uh, if if possible, uh, down through the Great Lakes, uh, down through Canada, and 
maybe come in that way, or you would take a railroad, which is a um, pretty efficient way of travel, and you would travel to that great railhead, Kansas City, or uh, any of these Midwestern towns, and then you would you would you would get in your Conestoga wagon. You take all your belongings. You decide what you're going to travel with, and then you'd start the trail. And uh, there's this this there's his, there's actually historical pictures of this all along the trail, the Santa Fe Trail and other famous trails are littered with the things people discovered they could not carry. So, back in Kansas City, say, taking Grandpa's piano seemed like a great idea. But the first set of hills, or the first rainstorm that turns the ground to mud and the, and the, 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 the wagons sink, you discover you really can't carry Grandpa's piano. And you're in the middle of nowhere now. You could have sold it back in Kansas City or wherever you were at, but it's too late now. And so you know what you do with it? You take it out of your wagon and you abandon it on the side of the trail. And all the way to the first Rocky Mountain Pass, the trail is littered with the things people discovered they could not carry. How do we, assuming that like those people, our wants are never ending and our desire for comfort and entertainment is never ending. How do we right-size our lives? How do we get it right? How do we know what to let go of and what to hold on to? I want to give you real quick a guide. This is biblically, scripturally true. Many of your burdens are interwoven with your blessings. They are a burden to you. I sent... I sent my dad a text this morning, and I just saying Happy Father's Day. And uh, in the text, I said thank you, and I was just being lighthearted. I said thank you for taking care of us when we were a bunch of good for nothing kids. I've got some good for nothing kids nowadays. They can't even wipe their own booties half the time. Sorry, baby, you you have a pretty little booty. <laughs> she looks at her mama like what? <laughs> Sorry, baby. I'm in trouble for that. Today's my day. They, 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 they're, a, they're a mess. But God, I love them. Are they a duty? Yes. But my blessings are interwoven in that burden. That's a, that's a burden worth carrying. It's worth carrying. So my little girl, I'm picking on her today. She's she's four. She's a little drama queen. She thinks she's a princess, and um, she is. She's Daddy's princess, and um, she's awesome. And she has enough bows to choke an elephant. Just in uh, one whole wall of her claws, nothing but bows. And my wife can't stop spending money on. Do you have any idea how much that girl's going to cost me? <laughs> Do you have any honking idea how much honking money? Honking is a preacher's curse word. Just so you know. Have any idea how much honking money that honking girl is going to cost this honking preacher? A lot. She's a little drama queen. She'll come out to my. I'll be. I get up before most people in the, in the house, unless it's my day off. And, uh, uh, I'll be sitting out there, and she'll come out there, and she'll be pushing her hair back from her face. She'll get right in front of my chair, and she'll do this. Not in the morning. I'm like, what, baby? You just woke up. 
I don't have any toast and my stomach was growling. <laughs> well, baby, just ask for some toast, you know? Your mom will be up in a couple hours. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> just ask for some toast, you know? I don't have any toast. Or, or sometimes you come in, she'll say, nobody's sitting by me. Okay, drama. Oh my God, you have no idea. Drama. Even my wife says drama queen. Okay, so what am I saying? Yes, it's a burden, but my blessing is interwoven in that burden. Okay, I also have burdens in my life that have no blessing. And if I have to choose on what's getting kicked out of the Conestoga wagon as we approach the Colorado Rockies, I need to survey my life. I need to define where my blessing is interwoven into my burdens. And whenever God's blessing is interwoven into a burden, let me tell you the truth. Sometimes the church exhausts me. I know you wouldn't have expected that because you're the perfect church and I'm a semi-perfect preacher. But I want you to know sometimes the church exhausts me. But you know what? I can get up on Sunday mornings and say, thank God for giving me the opportunity to lead people like this, Lord, because you are blessing woven into burden. It's not just burden. It's blessing woven together. Yes. My, my son is getting complicated. He's, he's, he's about to turn 11. And, uh, yeah, I don't have, I don't know. I just don't know. Kids nowadays, I, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, my son the other day, uh, this is funny. I'm going to tell you all this. Um, my, my son the other day, he said something a little bit smart aleck, smart alecky to me. Not, not bad, you know, but just a little bit. He knows what he can get away with. Your kids are the same way. And, uh, he knows what he, he said something smart alecky. And I said, I said, well, did you just say something smart aleck to me? And he said, no, dad, it was a joke. It was a joke. Look up J-O-K-E in the dictionary. It was a joke, Dad. I wasn't being a smart aleck. And I said, buddy, maybe you need to look up W-A-C-K in the dictionary. And he said, Dad, I think you mean W-H-A-C-K. started in my feet. (laughs) Where did this timeout business come from? When I was growing up, it was time to knock you out. No timeout business. knew where my dad's lines are, but my mom was like a volcano. I did not know when I was getting a beaten. My dad was real ordered. It's like 0.78, you're getting a beaten. You know, you know, I was raised right. You know, I was raised with spankings. How many of you were raised with spankings? Okay, there are no spankings in my house. There were whoopings in my house. This is what I want. This is what I, this is what I want you to see. So, so, so my my son's getting complicated. It's going to get worse. He's got to do the whole teenage years. You know, he's got he's got. It's like in this years. You know, they have an older mind, but they have. Uh, it's like in their mind, they're like 13, 14, but in their ability to control their emotions, they're like ten and eleven, and they start getting preteen anxiety and all that. It, it's it's complicated, and you know what? Sometimes it's just a burden. But all my blessings are woven into that, and so these are burdens that are never going to be set outside the Conestoga on the way to the crossing. 
You see what I'm saying? But there's a bunch of stuff in my life that doesn't have much blessing in it. There's entertainment in it, not much blessing. There's distraction in it, not much blessing. You want to know how to rationalize the burdens in your life? Figure out your blessings. Stop thinking in terms of which burden should I let go of. Ask yourself, where are my blessings? And then start cutting out anything that's not in the blessing circle. Because that's how you make sense of a life that's out of control. No one's ever going to get to California and look at their children and say, Man, I wish I'd have thrown one of you out instead of Grandpa's piano. <laughs> no, I mean, you might say that, but you won't mean it. You see what I'm saying? This is what I want you to see. How do we make sense of the burdens in our life? Because you have burdens. I'm not going to lie to you and act like you can just rebuke them all in Jesus' name. You can try that once, but just good luck. It's never worked for me. You have to choose. You have to make sense of things. You have to say, this is too much. We can give our lives to things that doesn't even matter. You can spend 30 years in a career, and when you retire, they give you a gold watch. You want to know why? They paid you for that 30 years. It wasn't like you did it for free. You can act like you're unloved and woe me and suck your thumb, but they paid you every day at the replacement rate. They could have got your neighbor or somebody equivalent. They paid you. So after 30 years, they give you this gold watch. And you say, oh, I gave you 30 years. But they paid you for those 30 years. Why would you trade a burden without blessing for a burden that is intertwined and interwoven with the reason why God made you who you are. So I want to challenge every one of you, first of all you dads and I want to challenge everyone else who is here today. If you can find the blessings of God in your life, it'll make sense of the stuff in your life that doesn't really matter, that you can start laying off, that you can start setting aside and say, let me take care of the blessing that I might be saved from the burden. Let's all stand. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's a million ways for us to get our obligations wrong and give our life away to things that we regret. The world is full of people who look back and say, I wish I'd have done more of this. I wish I'd have done more of that. I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. I wish I would have... I'm not trying to sound judgmental to anyone here today. I'm preaching to myself too. I'm just like everyone else. I can get caught up in stuff, distractions and the like. But if I can discover where the blessings of God are in my life, then it'll help me make sense of the stuff that's just burdens. So although there are a million things that are good toolkits for you to organize your life, chances are you've heard them all before. Just real quick, you have people in your life that are exhausting you. You solve people problems with boundaries. Here's the boundaries, respect it or you won't be in my life. That's how you solve people problems. But you can't do that with your kids. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Uh, that, that, is, that, is, that is a different arena. You solve your career, uh, career circumstances with time and effort, sometimes education, sometimes career change, sometimes business endeavors. That all takes time. The preacher can't do it for you. You can figure that out. I believe in you. I, I believe you can figure all that out. But when it comes...
comes to what matters, you can't simply read a little book from a life coach and that fix it. You can't just get a four steps process from the self-improvement department at your bookstore. You need to think about where are my blessings. So I want to say this everywhere. Number one, our greatest blessing is we are blessed in God. We are blessed through God. We are blessed by the presence of God. And I better make sure I'm maintaining a relationship with him in my life. That's number one. Number two, God has placed burdens upon me that are interwoven with his blessings for me. And so when I fulfill a duty, I am blessed because I find meaning between my duty and God's blessing. That's how I live a life of meaning. And then there's a bunch of junk. It, it, it may have entertainment in it. It may have distraction in it. It may have fun. You may enjoy it. But at the end of the day, you can't take it over the Rockies. You need to take it out of the wagon. And you need to make sure that your blessings are in that wagon. And the blessings that God has given you are in that wagon. And other stuff can be set aside. Is anybody hearing me here today? just reaching for your hearts here today. I'm reaching for your lives. I don't want you just to feel. I want you to go home and make some decisions. I might better say that again. I want you to go home and make some decisions. I don't want you just feel and jump up and down and oh hallelujah. I want you to make some decisions because we can't take everything all the way home. But you don't want to get there and discover you've left something that was of real value make it all the way home and I want to get there with many as many as I can carry that's what I want to get there but I want to make sure we all get there in Jesus name would you step out of the chair you're in right now I know I have uh, challenged uh, us here today and I, I've, I've, I've offered some words of conviction uh, here today and some, uh, wor- uh, some words of encouragement too but I want us all to respond to this moment in our hearts and I want us to take some time and, and pray here together our, our guests our friends feel free to come with us we always do this on Sunday we always pray over the word we don't simply just you know dismiss uh, we pray over the word and so right now feel free to step out come down here with us as you come would you begin to focus your mind focus your heart and would you uh, let your in your own way would you ask for God's anointing upon your life God's guidance in making decisions God's help in getting these issues right come on all across the church Lord Jesus we need you today we all of us are at different places of our faith and that's okay God we all of us are at different stages and seasons in life and that's okay Lord we are each of us in your hand Lord God I'm praying today that you would draw us I'm praying today that you would lead us I pray for the person here today who's not made the first step of Hear me 
believers. Six days a week, you get to carry all that ignorance. But on the Lord's day, you need to lay it down. So, I have a plan for spouses. I want you to police each other on the Lord's day. Is that fair? If your husband or your wife on the Lord's Day, which for us that's Sunday in the New Testament, if they start worrying, you you call them. You say, no, no, no. You can't worry on the Lord's Day. You have to lay it down. When they start saying, oh, I don't know what we're going to do about this, say, ah, tomorrow. Let's not sin against the goodness of the Lord by carrying a burden on the Lord's Day. Let's lay it down. So, true confessions. How many of you have had something you've worried about today? Raise your hand. Sinners! It's the Lord's Day. You don't get to carry a burden on the Lord's Day. On the Lord's Day, you talk about the Lord. You talk about how good He's been to you. You talk about how much He's loved you. You talk about how much He has committed to you. That's the first thing. And the second thing is this. For the child of God, burdens are temporary. Because a day is coming. The Bible says, He shall wipe every tear.
that's out front. Our guests and friends, thank you for worshiping with us. If you'd like to get to know more about the church, starting next Sunday, I'll be doing the next cycle of First Steps, uh, four Sundays where I teach a small group to introduce you to my ministry, the churches, the ministers of the church, the ministries of the church. That starts next Sunday after the 11 o'clock service. God bless you all. We love you. Have a great week. Call your dad. If you don't have a living father, but you have an elder who has been a father to you, call him, text him. Let's show love. God bless you all. We love you today. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come join us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road at the corner of Shamrock Drive. Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. And Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Online, find us at firstchurchclt.com or like us on Facebook or Twitter. We hope to see you soon. Come worship with us.